You didn't even say we we're gonna clap. You just started counting, and I had my phone I in my hand, and so I had to like well, toss the phone to the side so I get the clap on the, on the on the, yeah. <clears throat> yeah I'm yeah. sure you did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna start our song right now. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! Wow, that's disgusting. This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different artist, a different band. We listen to all of their records so you don't have to. And we rank them from worst to best. We also give our biggest banger from each of them. And uh, yeah, before we do that, we also get into our six degrees of Tom DeLonge. If you did it, you clearly didn't do it and neither did I. So let's move on from that. Uh, while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, give us five stars and five stars only. Go to all the social media. We are at Asinine Radio, so give us a follow there. Uh, we have a Discord server. If you want to join that, hit us up. We'll send you the link. And we have a phone number. If you want to call it, send us or call us, leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text. That phone number is 503-893-5307. So get into that. Now, Jeff, let's jump right into our rankings of the Coheed and Cambria album because that we are doing good apollo this week so we got to rank all 10 of their records so let's start with their worst record number 10 what do you got go i find that like when when i'm either really really excited for the album of the week that we're doing i don't really do six degrees of tom DeLong's, or if i'm really dreading what we're doing i want to get like a head start like like the deftones week i was really dreading that so then I didn't do it. And then this week, I was like super excited. So I, I also didn't do it. I think it's a, like that middle not. area is, is when I, I do I do, I do do the, the six degrees most often. You're I just, so I fucking find, weird. I find. I find. You didn't do it either. Yeah, I know. I was, I was, uh, I was distracted. It was, a, it was a long week. It was a very, very long week. It was not that long of a week. Probably. It was. Mm. It was. Okay. But well, continue. Continue. What do, what do you got for number 10? Number 10 is Vaxis, Act 1, The Heavenly Creatures, their ninth okay. album, 2018. I love all these long album titles, too. They're great. Dude, it's so annoying. This is, uh, they're, so like, uh, none of these are bad. No, I didn't think any of these are bad in any way. Nothing sub one. Um, but I think like, this is probably like a one. Uh, some cool stuff on this one. Some really, some really dumbed down, like, pop punky stuff. There's also a lot of production going into some of these, like, extracurricular soundscapes fine mm-hmm. whatever and claudio's voice is just way more discernible than everything else on this album it was, it was just like okay dude this is like a, a karaoke album at this point now and uh, <laughs> i didn't really enjoy it that much but it was it was fine that's a no banger anything like that no no banger nothing okay uh so let's uh, move on then <laughs> my uh my number 10 is also vaxis act one the unheavenly creatures damn this one, uh, like you said, ninth record. I remember nothing about this record. 
It's an hmm. hour and 19 minutes long. It's I think it's the longest record they have. Fuck and it's uh, a movie. I couldn't I couldn't tell you about any of the songs. I really couldn't. They all kind of just bled into the, each other and nothing catchy, nothing heavy, nothing fast. It was just all run of the mill Coheed and Cambria. And I, I mean, it's like you said too. Nothing is bad here, but some of it I will never go back to. Like it would be a one. This would give. This would be a one. You should listen to it once. That's it. Yeah. So there you go. That's my number ten. So I have no banger. So what do you got for number nine? Uh, get Apollo on Burning Star Four Volume Two. No room for tomorrow. Their fourth album. <laughs> This one's tough. This is this isn't a tough spot because it's following Good Apollo Volume One, mm-hmm. and like already you're in the hole. You just are, at least with me. But it's still a solid record. It's it's everything you want from Coheed up until this point. But it 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 still follows this like increasingly apparent formula for the band. They're doing this this prog sound full throttle, and this is the first time I felt I felt like underwhelmed with their with their seemingly complex instrumentals. Still some serious bangers in here that was really good and some pretty good melodies on this one, but I just, I don't want to give a banger because, like, why would I go, why would I listen to this when I can just listen to volume one? Like, that's, <laughs> okay, come on. Again, like, why would I, why, why would I reach for In Through the Outdoor when I can listen to fucking Houses of the Holy? Like, that's silly. So, True, good yeah. Apollo Burning Star 4 volume two. It's fine out. Nothing wrong with it. I still going to give it a one because there's nothing on here that would make me come back to this album over my top three or four. That's fair. That's fair. That's how I felt about uh, quite a few of these records. All right. So my number nine is The Color Before, The Color Before the Sun. Sorry. The Color Before the Sun, eighth record from 2015. Overall, I think this album is pretty forgettable. Much like Vaxus Act 1, there's nothing that's very catchy, heavy, or anything that stands out at all. Like, you could really... This album and Vaxus Act 1 could just be... Uh, they're just interchangeable to me. I, I, The only thing that that I liked about, or that it really stood out to me on this record, was my banger, and that's uh, Ghost, the song Ghost. Because it's a straight-up acoustic song, and it sounds like... I don't know if it's Claudio singing on it, um, because the voice is much deeper than Claudio's normally is. So I, I just I just don't know if it is or not. But that's the only standout track because it doesn't sound like him and because it's all acoustic, and they don't do that very often. But outside of that, this album's pretty run-of-the-mill, and uh, I got nothing else on The Color Before the Sun. I don't remember anything from it. Oh. <laughs> I really don't. Okay, okay. I, I like how we're kind of on the same on the same thing here. Like it's not like you you love every single record you heard, so no, 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 no. that kind of eases my uh nee, my nee, nee, stress nee, nee, nee. here. But like at least nothing's bad. Like like honestly, yeah, listening true, to some true. of the Deftone stuff, like that shit was some of it was bad, repetitive well, and bad. This is just I never it's repetitive for sure. But no, I don't think any of this was bad. Well, I think your problem with the Deftone stuff was be, was because you didn't listen to any of it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you're, you're just making it all up. Yeah, I wish I wish I, I I wish I made that up. I really do. Wish I could get all those those hours back. Damn, dude, that was such a good. That was such a that was a great week last week, and I I, I listened to a bunch of Deftones this week too. It just on, makes on no fucking sense how anybody legitimately likes Deftones. 
There's nothing know, about that band that is that is great. At best, they are good. There's nothing about that band that is great. Well, that's wrong. And we're not going to get into that because we're not getting into Deftones this week. I could, I could go we did that last week about how fucking much I hate that band. <sighs> my number, my number eight is yeah, the Color Before eight? the Sun, their eighth album. There you go. Okay, we're okay. This is good. I'm enjoying I, this. I thought this one started off really goddamn good. I thought the first two tracks were fantastic. I was like, oh hell yeah, we're getting back into like this really catchy pop punk sound. I love it. And then the only song I remember after the second track is is Ghost. Otherwise, I have no <laughs> recollection of the rest of the album. Right? It's so and, forgettable. And the only reason why it's so high is because Ghost is a cool song. And then those two those two opening tracks I thought were really fucking cool. But legit, like after this after this album was over, and I was writing notes, dude. I I I can't write notes on this because I don't I don't know what I listened to. <laughs> forgettable. I agree with you. Totally agree with you. All right, so uh, what is this one? Oh, eight. okay. What? You're on number eight. Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to because dude, these fucking song titles are so long, so I didn't write out the whole the whole thing. Oh come on! Just I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So my number eight is Good Apollo. I'm burning my burning art. Good Apollo. I'm burning star four volume two. No world for tomorrow from two thousand seven. <laughs> Uh, th- see, Love this it. is why I didn't write out the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking annoying, man. Oh, this this band is just. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll get into that in the main episode. But uh, anyway, this is the this is the only album that was recorded. Who oh, fuck, dude? Let me start who? the fuck over. Let who? me start the fuck over. Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so. Taylor Hawkins, former drummer of the Foo Fighters, played drums on this record. The only Coheed album he ever played drums on was on this because Chris Penny, the former drummer from Dillinger Escape Plan, wasn't allowed to play on this record because of contractual things. So they got Taylor Hawkins in to do that. I thought that was really cool. I thought his drum performance was was cool. Nothing that really stood out, but it was solid. Uh, This record is the B-side version of Good Apollo Volume 1. It really is. It's not as heavy as the first one. Some songs bleed into the other. Nothing that's overly catchy. Like the suffering from from volume one is just, dude, it's one of the catchiest things on the whole record. But there's nothing like that on this. It's just, like I said, it's the B-sides. The B-sides to volume one. And that's fine, whatever. You can't, I don't know how you can follow up to that record. You can't. Yes. So I do have a banger on this one though. It is um, the Hound. Well, yeah, the Hound of Blood and Rank. The chorus in this song is probably it, it is the catchiest thing on this entire record. I fucking love that chorus. There's some really great guitar parts with some cool effects. I feel like on Good Apollo Volume One and Two, the guitar playing was much more experimental. They were they were fucking around with a lot more pedals. It seemed like they were experimenting more, which I thought was really cool. But then after that, it was just run of the mill stuff, and it was just kind of boring at times but uh this song really kind of it just showed like how good of a guitar player and like creative they can be when they really want to be the guitar solo is awesome on here because underneath the guitar solo there's some great bass noodling which i thought was fucking cool and i i totally playlist this song it's totally this song was great well look at that really fucking good and i think it might have been a single too but who cares 
So that's my number eight. Good Apollo Volume Two, No World for Tomorrow. So what do you got for number seven? What? I was trying to figure out what exactly was the reason why that that Chris dude couldn't play drums because he said contractual obligation, but there was no there was no Dillinger album that was recorded during this time or put out at this time that had Chris on drums. Maybe he was maybe he was just under contract for that record label for X amount of years, even though he quit or was I don't know if he was fired or quit, but yeah, because their next their their Dillinger's next album came out in two thousand seven, but he he didn't play or record or write any of the music on that one. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't. I, I really fucking weird. Know. It is. I don't like it. So yeah, Chris only ended up playing on one record. Yeah, he only played on one one uh, Coheed record, but yeah, Taylor Hawkins played on this one, so. That's cool. That's cool. So That's what do you cool. got for number seven? Um, In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3, their second album, 2003. And okay. comparing it to like their first album, this is definitely a step in the direction of prog metal and, and what they will become. And a big step away from the genre baiting of their first, which is, uh, I liked it. But it's, it's genre baiting is what they were doing. <laughs> but it's it's still good. It's an interesting word. I, I actually came up with that while listening to their first album. It's good stuff. Okay, all right. Uh, it's it's still it's still really good though. I I just think it falls victim to like overkill. There's a lot of soundscapes that are that are fleshed out nicely. The problem is just like it's burnout. It's 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 just too much. We go from from second stage turbine, which is just packed full of all these different sounds, all these different genres. And then we jump into this one and they hit it like full throttle. And there's not enough diversity there for me to really like attach myself on with onto with. Yeah. Onto. yeah. Otherwise, um, I don't know. It's cool. I, I like that. They drop like their biggest single later in the album that, that breaks up a lot of that, the monotonous sound that they're mm-hmm. going for. That's cool. It's crazy. It's like track 10 on the record. Yeah. That's crazy late for a single. Love it. Dig it. And I mean, they, they do that often. And I think it's because, first of all, their albums are fucking long. And oh, I know. Like on this one, they have that, that three-part, the, the Camper Valorium. They have that three-parter when it's essentially like 15 minutes long. Like you need a break. So <laughs> you know they can write catchy, incredibly catchy songs, incredibly great songs. And this one's got like two, right? Blood Red Summer and uh, the House of Atlantic. Yeah, so they, they can do it and they know how to do it, but they they choose they to choose kind of not like, to. It, but it's the, annoying but, sometimes. Mm, well, well, mm, well mm, it, it, it can oh, be annoying. Oh, 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 hold on. Oh. <laughs> they choose oh, they choose to stay along the path of the story, which I respect. They yeah, choose to yeah. kind of like incorporate they not fully they're not fully embracing a soundtrack album essentially to their, their comics, but they're intertwined. And I like that they're not just writing pop albums. I like that they're still incorporating this overall lore that they that they've created that they're that they're going for. It's cool. I like it. Um, the crowing. That's my that's my favorite uh, favorite song here. Obviously, like House of Atlantic and then uh, Blood Red Summer. Fucking killer tracks. Singles. Don't care. Fantastic tracks. But the crowing was super dope. This song had some really really cool like heavy instrumental parts and some really really fantastic chugging and drum riffs at the same time. And I just, I thought like, wow, you guys, you guys don't always need to be doing something. You can just kind of like let things play out. Let it, let it just go. Let it ride. It's okay. So that's cool. Yeah. I agree with a lot of what you said on that record. It's important to know. 
it's important to note too that this album is 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 a story essentially told through the mouth or in words of of Claudio from from the from the Emory Wars, the the fiction Claudio, and yes. he's talking to the dog Apollo. And so towards the end, uh, um, Claudio comes to the conclusion that he must destroy the the center star of the keyword star four. And then so the album ends with him saying like, "Good Apollo, like stay Apollo." Like it was nice talking to you, Apollo. So he says like, "Good Apollo." I'm going to burn star four. And like, that's, that's so fucking cool. That was such an awesome way to end the album. Yeah. That was so rad. Oh, he says, no, he says good Apollo. I think he says, I'm burning star four. And like the album ends like, God damn, that's fucking cool. Oh, I love it so much. They're quite an ambitious band. They really are. Good shit. I, well, I don't know. I, I, I got a lot to say about this fucking band, this record that we're doing this week on the pod. But anyway, let's move on. So that was your seven. My number seven is the aftermath dissension. The second part of this, uh, this was kind of nice because the ascension and descension were about 40, 40 <laughs> minutes long each. So that was nice. We got a nice, you know, 20 minute break, you know, from those records, from each that's of those you, records. It's actually after man. Is it after man? I thought it was after yeah. math. <laughs> no, it's after man. The after man. <laughs> Are you Untitled. fucking serious? Yeah. Oh my God. You are, you're totally right. You're right. Just, I mean, yeah, I just, I cannot read. That's right. Pod reading is very difficult. It's clearly. difficult. I know. It's hard. So Afterman, Afterman Dissension, the second part, seventh record, technically. I don't want to talk too much about this record because I feel like this is just the, you know, an extension of the first part and it's yeah. just not as good. Like I'm, I'm over it after that first 40 minutes from the first part. I don't need another 40 minutes of this. It's good, but I just don't need it. Um, I have no banger off of this one. I was just over it. So let's move on to okay. uh, to your number six. Yeah, my number six is is the Afterman or Aftermath, Dissension. Afterman. Aftermath is a um, stupid thing. It should be Aftermath. Well, okay, that's fine. So yeah, you're right. Like this one, it's just a, it's an extension of the first. It really is. This this one starts off like story wise, the second half of the the story of Cyrus. Is it Cyrus or Cyrus? It's Cyrus, yeah. But like musically, it's very in line with Ascension. It just didn't hit as hard. It's just mm-hmm. it was it was uh, it was old news. It's a little more it's a little more tame, and that's just because we just heard a better, more condensed version of this of this album. Yeah, and and so I, that's that's just why this this falls so low. It was still pretty good though, and like the story is really cool. Um, but I don't know, it's number six. Yeah, it, it's not it's not a bad record at all. It's just too much, too much of the kind of same stuff, which they fucking do so much. God, it'd be so much better if their records were condensed to every record was condensed to like forty minutes, maybe forty five minutes. I agree. I it'd agree. Be so good. But. My number six is Vaxis Two, a window of the walking mind of the waking mind. Can't I read got that one wrong. What? It's, you can't read anything. I can't. It's difficult. This is their tenth record from 2022. It just came out this year. I think maybe a month ago. Uh, overall, this record has a lot more of an electronic and almost dance feel at times, which I thought was really cool. Like they never really dove into that into that style until this record and. They did it surprisingly well. I was, I really, I really enjoyed my listen through of this of this record today. I actually listened to this one today, and uh, yeah, I really like this one. It was it was solid. My banger is the song "Shoulder." It's a heavier song, 
with some cool electronic guitar tones, much like that Jack White record that we had talked about earlier. It has a lot of that same tone to it. And I don't know, just the it just seems like a happier sounding record. It doesn't sound as pretentious of a record. It just sounds like a band who's actually, it sounds like they're having fun. Like I haven't heard them having this kind of fun since the first Apollo or the first three records, really. Like this is the first time they, I feel like they haven't taken themselves too seriously musically. And I thought this was a killer record. This is a really good one. I would get this on vinyl. Whoa. Totally get this one on vinyl. Really? We're in fucking seven now? Yeah. Six. Six, yeah. Oh, yeah, six. Would you get your top six on vinyls? I would, yeah. I would. Wow. Well, I take it back. Maybe one of them, one of the six I wouldn't. I wouldn't get. But you get five out of the six. Five out of the six, yeah. Five out of the six. Because one of them I really like, but I don't think I would go back to it. But I still thought it was really good, if that makes any sense. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. So it's yeah, my number is Saving Silent Silenter three because those two songs are really good. But the album's okay. Go. <laughs> All right. So what do you got for number five? Year of the Black Rainbow. Okay. Uh, the big I felt like the big takeaway the big takeaway from this album was was them writing an album for like a movie, and and this is this is what it sounded like. There's a lot of like loud bombastic electronic drum parts that are leading up to some type of climax battle and and at this point like i was really getting into the story as far as like the amory wars and everything i'm reading a lot about coed this 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 album more than any other album sounded like they were actually trying to write an album to mimic a a film mm-hmm. and it's it's fine um it blended well with like the concept of the album too that's that's fine shattered symphony that was my that was my banger. I've I have bangers now. See, I can, I've there you bangers. go. Finally, yeah, several. Took long enough. That's okay. I don't always need bangers for every album. Okay, <laughs> I know. I agree. Do that. I don't. Remember, I don't have a banger. We used to do yeah. that. We used to always like force ourselves to pick one, and I, I can't remember what 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 listen through it was. But I, at some point, I was like, "Man, fuck this! I do not. I do not want to pick any banger from this album. I don't even want to <laughs> give it credit." It was so like whatever we did was that bad where it, it changed format. It was probably poison. It was probably poison. Maybe it was poison. It could have been poison. It, yeah, because that was just so bad. That was so bad. Beyond Cause, bad. Because like the point of the bangers is is to find like something good and even if it's in something bad. And I think poison yeah, is yeah. what destroyed that. <laughs> that's awesome. It, bro- it broke our spirits. It broke <laughs> our spirits. <laughs> it fucking pushed us down. That's that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the Black Rainbow's cool. It's 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 a good album. I like it. I would go back to this. I don't I don't think I would buy this on the vinyls yet, but I would go back to this I don't know when yeah. or why, but I I would I would. I would. All right. My uh my number five is in Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth three. God stupid fucking titles, man. Love I swear it. to God. Second album. Uh this is this album is I was surprised at how pop-based this record was. I hadn't listened to this record in fucking, I can't even tell you how many years. But I, after listening to the first one and then they go into this more pop-based based record, I just couldn't believe it. Like It's a huge jump between the first and second the You second think this record. one's more pop than their first album? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I feel like tonally, musically, songwriting-wise, I feel like this is more pop-based. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure, bro. For sure. I was a little disappointed in that. But I think if I went back and listened to this again after after listening to everything, I think I would like it more. 
but you know i just i just don't i didn't have the time to go back and listen to more of these records so with that uh my biggest banger is a favorite house atlantic that song i sniper i shoot (laughs) and you run it's it's so much fun to sing and just everything about this it's so pop rock heavy the drum the way he plays the the drums is so pop rock everything about it the the ending part where the guitar is playing that super high that super high part it's it's almost to the point where it gets too much and it gets obnoxious but then they end it at just the right point i fucking love that song it's a good record though this is a really good record but yeah and keeping secrets of silent uh, 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 um. (laughs) yes yes that part so what do you got my number so four, what do you got for number four? Yeah. Four is Vaxis, Act Two. Okay. Window right. a window of the waking a window of the waking mind. Jesus Christ. God, this is so obnoxious. This one, yeah, this one came out this year. And we've carried this at the at the store. And I just I've I've never listened to this, never heard it. We talked about some of the singles when it came mm. out. And I think at the time it was just didn't care really. Unless you're going to put Welcome Home out again, I don't really care what you have to say, Coheed. And this <laughs> this kind of fell victim to that. This is uh, this is very pop rock. A ton of electronic songs here. And I like it. I like it. I yeah. like it. I like it. I actually really, really like it. And as I was playing this at the record store, somebody fucking bought the last copy that we had. Oh, that's so annoying. But, like, it was cool because he, 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 he came up and, and I was ringing him up. I was like, dude. He's like, I know. I said, you fucking going to buy it? He said, yeah, it's fucking good. I said, oh, wow. Okay. There's <laughs> <laughs> a little kind of, kind of cool short exchange there. But this, yeah. is like, this is a great example of a band that takes some risk and doesn't follow the same format that is expected of them. Takes a little mm-hmm. bit of a risk. But kind of still, like, they're still keeping true to their form. They're still keeping true to the heart of what is Coheed and Cambria. And they just, they make it better. And and they're on a ledge here, and it's 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 fantastic. I love it. I think it's I think it's un, I think it's an unbelievably good album. It's I was very very surprised. You know, ten records deep, twenty years later, they put out a record like this that really captivated me and kept me interested. I was very very surprised. My I it was my killer too. my favorite song is is one of the singles, Liars uh, Liars Club. But honestly, okay. I think like I think all of the singles. Are like like you said, dance type songs, they are, because yeah. they do have that 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 driving, like Andrew WK style to them, like and they, they have they, a lot they of drive that forward. They have a lot of that disco beat kind of thing too. That that scat 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 that very so good offbeat thing, and that's so dancey and it's so it can be so much fun. It adds so much to a song. That's like why it got the life by corn is so one of the reasons why that song is so good because it has that kind of beat too. That dance disco kind of beat. So fucking good. Okay. So freaking good. So freaking good. Um, my number four is Year of the Black Rainbow, fifth album. Like you said, this is the prequel. Story-wise, this is the prequel to all of their records. And uh, I think the reason why you said that this sounds like a movie soundtrack was because it was produced by Atticus Ross, who, Ugh. you know, Nine Inch Nails has scored many movies over the years you know i think that's one one reason why and they also had another producer named joe baresi he did a lot of stuff the queens of the stone age i thought this is a cool record this is uh 
it's just a heavier kind of faster album for the most part but there's also some really cool experimentation especially with the guitar effects that adds to some of the soundscapes and i don't know just a lot of cool stuff going on on this record i liked it a lot this is the first and only record that chris penny from dillinger escape plan played on and then he quit the band after recording and touring this record and uh yeah this is a this is a solid record i don't have a banger this is a this is an album that i i appreciated as a whole i couldn't pick anything out specifically but i enjoyed i enjoyed listening to the entire thing i was never bored i never thought dude let's just move on to the next song i don't want to listen to five minutes of the same thing i just really enjoyed this one it was it was solid really really solid so yeah year of the black rainbow is my number four so what do you got for number three cool 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 the aftermath, right? <laughs> okay. The aftermath, ascension. The afterman, ascension. There's their uh, their so sixth album. This is uh, <laughs> so I I mean, do you do you did you read the story about about these two albums? At I, all? I the lore? so a little. I read a little bit. Was that is that it took place? The story took place after the first four or I guess five records technically. It's a prequel. And it, prequel. It's a oh, prequel is it a prequel? To the Am- yeah, prequel to the Amory Wars. Oh, I thought it was a sequel. I thought it was him. This I forgot the guy's name, but him going and trying Cyrus to, Amory, trying to go to find the uh, the key up the keywork keywork. I keep wanting to say keynote. No nope, keywork keynote with PlayStation. The, yeah. Okay. <laughs> going to find the keywork and destroying it, or figuring it out, or, or unlocking its mysteries and all that kind of stuff. It's dude, this whole fucking story is so convoluted and. It's Annoying it's cool. Sometimes. So like he's a cool character. He he's he's a scientist trying to figure out how the key work works. Is it wait? And, is it Cyrus operates. or Sirius? Cyrus. It's it's spelled stupid, but it's pronounced Cyrus. Is it okay? Yeah. Because right. that the girl that I was watching on the, her YouTube videos, she she said Sirius constantly, and then on her next video, she's like, oh, and then mentioned some how somebody corrected her, and it's actually pronounced Cyrus. Like C Y R U S, okay. But okay. It, like, but like, he's he uh, he he eventually dives into the keyword. Cyrus dives into the keyword, and I guess we can get into the keyword later. But he dives into the keyword to find its secrets. But he's gone for so long that everybody like thinks he's dead, and he's only gone for like five hundred some odd days, almost two years. But he discovers all these like worldly and godly informations about the keyword, but. Like this is his life work, but he's told that he can't, he can't tell anybody, and he's told by this group of people called the Prize, which we'll talk. There's Prize members later on. Good Apollo. I think the mm-hmm. Prize are like, are like Valkyries, like like they're they're protectors of of information of keyword stuff in a, like a religious okay. type of thing. That's what they remind me because they're all women, so that's that's what they remind me. They're, they remind me of like Valkyries. And and they tell Cyrus that he can't tell anybody what is what is what he's seen here. Otherwise, they the prize will see that as an act of war and fucking wipe out everybody that knows anything about what he said. So he gets home to find his wife, right? And and mm-hmm. she's super stoked for him, but she's moved on because he was gone for years. And so he's like super sad. And then he triggers something. I didn't I didn't read too much about what it was, but he ends up killing like his ex wife. And so then he's he's going to dive back into the keywork to find the heaven part of what he thinks it is, so that he can let his ex-wife's soul be at like eternal rest with the keywork's heaven part. Because there's kind of two two levels to the keywork. There's like a heaven and like a the hell. Not yeah. 
literally, but like two different things. And hell is is what all the souls in hell get like recycled back into the keywork, and heaven is is the the, the nirvana, really. But it was a cool story. I thought it was. I thought it was. I liked it a lot. I liked the story. It was fun. Um, the album was cool. Good parts to it. Had a lot of like loud anthemic jams, followed by spoken word parts to like drive that story forward, which I thought was so cool because they incorporated together very, very well. And I like the idea of like excitable parts of the album pitted against angsty tracks. And I think the album ends with a track that parallels both Claudio's feelings and like like Claudio in real life. And then, like, the fictional Cyrus, like, the loneliness of not being home with family. Um, just pretty cool writing, man. Like, I, I just, I think that Claudio can yeah. write really, really, really great stories, really great lore. Um, but Vic the Butcher, that was my favorite song. Kind of reminded me of, like, My Chemical Romance in the Black Parade days. But <laughs> just imagine, like, them actually doing a good job at accomplishing that sound. Yeah, and, yeah. And then it ends with the spoken word thing that I, I love and I think is fantastic. So, The Afterman Ascension. Were, Good. There were definitely moments where, not on just not on this record, particularly, but just in general, that fuck man, the way he kind of sings a certain parts sounded just like Gerard Way, and it was really annoying and it really irritated me. But overall, I would, it was okay. I would buy my top four on the vinyls. Your number three—that was your three, right? That was my three. Yeah, because okay, my three is also also the Afterman Ascension, sixth record. Um, this one overall it has a heavier tone they kind of they kind of got rid of a lot of a lot of the experimental stuff they were doing musically and they just kind of made a heavier more driven record like you said the spoke like the more spoken word stuff was cool it was a nice it was a nice break from everything else kind of changing it up a bit but overall it was just a heavier record i really like that but the main reason why i liked it was because of the songs extraction two three and four those three songs right there were just pure gold. Just fucking amazing. Extraction one, I mean, sorry, Extraction two, that one, he just does some crazy fucking things with his voice to the point where it actually reminded me of Jonathan Davis. Not like he was scatting or anything like that. Just the certain, just certain ways he was just saying things was like how Jonathan Davis delivers his vocals and, I just thought that was so cool. And the guitar tone, especially on this song, the guitar tone is so thick and so heavy. I don't know what kind of amps that they were using, but whatever it was, God, it just it just cut through that mix so well. And it just added some crazy aggression to the song itself and just the the overall the overall feel of this this record and this these this particular suite as 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 it's called. But also uh, I think it's ex- no the end of the end of Extraction Four is is like straight out of Mars Volta record, like straight out of like parts of Amputecture or parts of Francis the Mew. It's just very kind of it has that that kind of like um, like that that Latin America kind of percuss- percussive thing going on, and it just kind of loops itself over and over again. But I got a lot of Mars Volta stuff from that from the end of extraction for just really honestly the whole build-up and just the way everything just kind of resolves with that in extraction for was just fucking perfect those three songs right there make this entire record like i would buy this i would buy this on vinyl just for those three songs Damn. just for yeah for ex- extraction two through four fucking good i loved it 
So okay. that's my uh, that's my number three, the Afterman Ascension. Number three, sticking to it. Yep. So what do you got for number two? I guess our top two are the same. Yeah. Number uh, number two is uh, Second Stage Turbine Blade, their first album, 2002, the same year the world champion Anaheim Angels won the uh, World Series. So this is this is their first <laughs> album, uh, but second in the overall lore and story, uh. which I, we'll talk about later, whatever. But for now, I haven't listened to this since they dropped Silent Earth 3, like their their next album. Like I had not listened to this since high school. It has been so long. And... This album's really good. It's like really, really good. And this is, but like that, that genre baiting that I mentioned earlier, mm. that's what they're doing here. They're coming out at a time, 2002, where like the pop punk emo scene was dominating. These guys throw down an album that is, that is superficially pop punk, right? A lot of chickas, a lot of palm mutes, a lot of poppy harms. But then they add these really subtle prog metal riffs but they're disguised as this generation of emo. It's heavy, it's noodly, his vocals are whiny on the surface, but really he's tapping into some like real aggression and complexity. And I was really fucking impressed. Like, if it wasn't for half of Good Apollo 4, chapter one, like this would be their best album. This is incredibly impressive. Not just from like a musical standpoint, but just how they're getting everything across. You cannot, there's no fucking way they would be able to drop in their first album, drop in all this lore, say, hey, we're writing comics now. They need to ease into this. If they're in it for the long run, they got to ease into it. And -hmm. like, this is the perfect, this is one of the best albums I've ever heard that like sought out to do something and accomplish that genre wise. This is, this is very impressive. I was very impressed with this. <laughs> All right. So, what's your binger off this one? Uh, the the track thirty three. That was that was a good one. Um, okay. I like I, I like. Uh, I, I I like the lore of this one. I like the story. Before we did this, I, I knew like a little bit about it. And I was reading a little bit about it, and it got really convoluted and and very like Lord of the Rings like. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do this. It was stupid. But then I watched these, this girl, her YouTube videos. JJ Metal was her name. Huge shout out. She, she dropped these, these videos that were very helpful. And then after I watched the videos, then I kind of went back. Me. I did link you. Did you? That's okay. fine, though. Actually, I sent you the, the video, the, the first video you should watch, too. That's not a big deal. After watching her videos, I went back and read more about the story. And it's, it's pretty good. Like, it's, it's just really cool. And there's no different... It 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 just it takes time, right? Like like, even though I yeah. don't read the Star Wars books, I I never dove into it. When they mention worlds or people, it's not hard for me to immediately either like know who that is based off of just dialogue from video games I've played or movies or TV shows, or just talking mm-hmm. to other people. And there's oh like Thrawn. Like I never read anything about Thrawn, but like I know a lot about Thrawn based off of you and Justin talking about him, based off mm-hmm. of small menchies and other things that I watch or hear or see. And so like this, that's a world that we've been so ingrained into that we can pick up anything in that. So given these videos that the girl did, it was a lot easier for me to read about the Amory Wars story and pick up these names just based off of that little video thing that I watched. Okay. Good, 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 good. It's cool stuff. Man, this album is, 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 uh, Something that was good. The, the, like this out, I, I don't want to say that they duped everybody because they didn't. They they really 
they really tried hard to make an album that appealed to everybody, but also showcase what they are great at. Yeah, like it is. Yeah. It is fucking unreal. It is. It is absolutely unreal. Now, I mean, this is my number two as well. So I I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and they were kind of all over the place genre wise, and I liked it, and I thought it sound. It didn't sound like, but it was it was very much in the vein of uh, Thrice's first record, Identity Cri- Identity Crisis, where that Identity Crisis record has, you know, there's thrash in there, there's emo, there's pop punk at points, there's hardcore punk sometimes, there's post hardcore. I mean, there, there's a lot of shit going on in that record, and I feel like that's what this record is. It doesn't sound like Thrice, but it has that same idea where like we're like let's just throw a bunch of genres into a song, into a section, and just see where it lands and i love that i just love how they just kind of didn't give a shit on this record where they gave a shit but they just kind of they just took what they love from all the genres of music they like and just threw them into a pot and that's what this record is that's what's so great about a lot of debut records is how you know these guys just they they don't think about what's going to be popular they just think about what they like and they write songs about what they like and that's it and it's innocent, and I love it, and that's what this album is. I know there's an overarching story, and it's it's more complex than that, but underneath all of that, there's there's a sense of just just really just not giving a fuck and going for it, and that's what I like so much about it. And also the 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 tones on this record, the the snare the snare drum, I think is the crack on that snare drum throughout the entire record just cuts through that mix, and it's so fucking good. I love the drum sound. Love that shit, huh? on, dude. If you if you got a good high crack on that snare drum, I'm fucking hooked. Like no, almost no matter what, I'm fucking hooked. And this record has that, and I love it. And just the the, the guitar tones themselves, like those crunchy palm mutes, they're not they're not big and overpowering like a Metallica chugging riff or anything like that, like Meshuggah or anything like that. It's very it's very I don't want to say tinny, but very. What am I? I don't. It's not heavy, but it's it's that chug is still there, and it's still very, very, very crunchy. I think this record is fucking awesome. I had never heard this record before until this week, and I totally loved it. I'm for sure, absolutely gonna get this on vinyl. Whoa! This record is fucking awesome. So, yeah, my banger is uh, is here shot here shot kid disaster. It's one of the heavier songs on the record. Has some. He actually screams a bit on this. He barely does any sort of screaming after this record. It's very, very minimal after this. Um, but there's some great fucking chugging, and it's like swingy at times. They have a really. They do a really good job of like doing that swingy thing with the chugging guitars, and it just sounds so fucking good. So second stage turbine blade, my number two. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, so that leaves that leaves our number ones, and it's uh, it's it's obviously good Apollo on Burning Star Four Volume One from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. God, that's annoying. <laughs> Lulio Italiano. <laughs> yep. All right. Number well, one. thank Easy. you all for listening. Go listen to the main episode because we're getting into the third Coheed and Cambria record. So get into that. Thank you all for listening. Give us five stars, and that's it. That's all. What's that so? <laughs>